You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. Pastor um, called me a couple weeks ago. No, actually, no. He asked me, probably in the beginning of summer, and just since you are a visitor here, my dear, Pastor's my father. So I might call him Pastor, I might call him Dad. And so I mean no disrespect as I speak about him at all, but I am always grateful for the opportunity to share the Word of God. It's fun, way fun. I love it, okay? However, my life is a little different than what it used to be, and I could say yes easily, and man, I could really know I had a word. <laughs> now I have a lot of other stuff going on. And uh, so he, he, uh, <laughs> he asked me to speak, and I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, I don't see that happening. I want you to, sh- I want you to speak on worship, and I want you to um, speak on a Sunday morning. I, we're gonna get ready to do a series on worship and da, 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 and I go, mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how soon I can get that together for you, because you want it to be good meat, right? Or if you're a vegetarian, we want it to be very good protein for you to palatable and well for you to digest. Amen. But so a couple times throughout the summer, he says, how's that, how's that message coming? I'm like, mm, haven't started it, dad. And so then I get a call. Um, and I guess it was about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And he calls me at 1030 at night. And I'm like, I missed the call, and I called him back, and I'm like, is everything okay? Because that's the kind of person I am. I'm a little panicked, like, why would somebody call me at 1030? Especially my father, he doesn't call me at 1030. He's like, yeah, are you in bed? I'm like, yeah, but why are you calling me so late? Oh, I just don't want to forget to talk to you about that message. I'm like, really, Dad? Okay. I need you to do it. So I said, okay, I'll I'll do it. So I picked the date, and it's this, this Sunday and what have you. And so here we are. And I'm excited, and uh, it's going to be good. He wanted me to, he actually, he doesn't do this normally. He actually told me what he wanted me to speak on. So if you don't like it, you can blame it on him. Um, Who we worship and why we worship and where we worship and when we worship. That's what he wanted me to talk about. So... um, kind of interesting. I can't talk about, oh, (laughs) I can't talk about anything in my life without talking about my girls. So once I became a mother, I was challenged by a friend to not let my kids become an idol in my life. And that really, that sentence and that phrase really rocked my world. I was kind of offended at first. Quite honestly, I was really ruffled. Uh, I just kind of was, you know, 
what kind of a statement is that? But I heard it, and I went home, and I thought about it, and I really kind of talked to the Lord about it. So um, I eventually became gravely convicted by that statement, don't let your kids become an idol in your life. And anyone who knows me at all, like, especially for a long time, have been in my life for a long time, you know that all I've ever really wanted to be was a mom. So for someone who took so, so long (laughs) to become a mother, um, that was an excellent challenge that this friend spoke to me. It was probably the Lord speaking through her, (laughs) to be quite honest. And I thank the Lord for the journey that I'm on as a mother. It is the very absolute best thing in life ever. Um, Because, well, it's fulfilled something that I really wanted, but it's also drawing me closer to Jesus. You know, um, people say that marriage is to help you become holy. And I really find, I understand that in marriage it is. You know, you should be drawn close to the Lord and um, all the ruffling that happens in the refining that happens in marriage really should make you more holy. However, it is very easy in marriage to hide and to shut down and to not deal with things. Why I'd say being a mom is different is as a parent, you if you want to be a successful good parent, you really can't do that. Because I want my girls to love Jesus, you know? So before Gary and I were married a long time before the girls came. And it was very easy to shut down and... Uh, I, um, I think Dad tells funny stories about him being married. Gary and I, one time there was um, dinner on the table for a whole week because I wasn't cleaning it up and he wasn't either. Bless the Lord. Do you remember that? That was when we were in the condo. You don't? Okay. Well, anyways, I can't behave like that now that I have kids. I just can't, especially with this, uh, especially with this charge, you know, that the, to, just to be careful with these little ones. I love these little girls. They're the sweetest little thing in my life, and I want them to spend the rest of their lives loving Jesus, too. So I started to kind of look at idol worship. So we're going to go to Exodus 20, and this should be in the Amplified, but up on the screen for you, I will be speaking from the Amplified and my keyword study Bible, which is New American Standard Bible Version. So, then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any idol or any likeness, form or manifestation of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth as an object of worship. You shall not worship them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous impassioned God, demanding what is rightfully and uniquely mine, visiting, avenging the iniquity, 
sin and guilt of the fathers on the children. That is calling the children to account for the sins of their fathers. To the third and fourth generations, to those who hate me, but showing graciousness and steadfast loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Is there anything in your life that pricks your heart a little when you hear this passage? Is there anything the Holy Spirit just immediately starts to kind of tingle your heart with about having no other God before him? Anything that takes your eyes off of him, anything that's a distraction from him, the Lord says don't have that or put that, place, put that in the right place. Um, in evangelism class, our way of the master evangelism class, if anybody's ever gone through that. Anybody here gone through that class on a series? One of the things that they do in the evangelism class with um, when they're teaching us how to uh, witness to someone, they say, you know, you talk to someone about not being, that they're not a good person. And if, if you're a good person, you know, tell me you know, what you think is a good person, and well, let's, let's evaluate this, and let's look at the Lord's commandments, and one of the things it talks about is having no, it talks about having no other God before you, and right away, it identifies your, that as that's, you're, you're um, not obeying God's commandment, and when you're not obeying God's commandment, and you're making your own God, you're, you're worshiping someone else, because God said no other God before him, Amen. We know one of the ways people do this is by taking bits and pieces of the word of God and selecting passages of scripture to influence their lives while totally disregarding other passages of scripture. I, this grieves my heart. It frustrates my heart. I don't know how the Father has such a loving kindness towards us because we, um, and I see it happen a lot with people who have been brought up in, in the church and they, they know the word of God. And, you know, like, your family members will invite you to an event. And because you're Christian and it should be, you know, we love the Lord. I'll have you pray over this and ask a blessing. But the rest of the evening is not going to be blessing God at all, you know. Um, and so there will be some kindness to towards you to share the word. But it's just, I'll let you share a little bit of Jesus, but I'm going to have you stop right here. Or I want to, you know, I'm going through school, and I really need God to bless my, my, um, my tests. I need to pass my tests, so I want you to pray. Please pray for me, because I know I should be praying, but I'm not praying, you know, or um, whatever. It, it might be pa uh, passages of scriptures that we have in our hearts that we have comforted us, so we still will go back to those scriptures that comfort us, but our lifestyle is not honoring God. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is the, the key right here, this verse right here. Holding to a form of outward godliness. 
gods or religion, although they have denied its power. Oh, I guess I did this in the Amplified, and she, he has the NASB up there, sorry. Um, although they have denied its power for their conduct, nullifies their claim of faith and s avoid such people and keep far away from them. People who have a form of godliness, they'll hold a little bit to a form of godliness but deny its power. To me, that's a lot like idol worship. I'm going to have a little bit of God and I'm going to have a whole lot of me. And I'm going to do it my way and I see it in the church. <laughs> I don't just see it. Um in non-believers, and that's very dangerous. And so I hope today as we're talking about this that it just kind of, you're able to evaluate in your heart too. How do I do this, Lord? Ask the Lord, search him. Ask him to search you and say, do I do this? Who do we worship? We only worship the one and living, the true living God. There's only one God. Here's another one. Ezekiel 14 one through nine. Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me. I'm trying to see what version he has amplified. Good. Okay. Seeking an oracle from God and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, these men have set up and honored their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the vile stumbling block of their wickedness and guilt. Should I permit myself to be consulted by them at all? Therefore, speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who takes his idols of rebellion into his heart and puts the vile stumbling block of the, his wickedness and guilt, images of silver and gold before his face, and yet comes to the prophet to ask of him, I, the Lord, will answer him, but I will answer him in accordance with the number of his idols, in order that I may take hold of the heart, the mind of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me because of their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent and turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your disgusting and vile acts. For anyone of the house of Israel or among the strangers who immigrate to Israel, who separates himself from me, taking of me for himself, I, the Lord God, will answer him myself. I will set my face against that man, that hypocrite, and will make a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from among my people, and you will know without any doubt that I am the Lord. Honestly, is there anything that you place so much value on that takes your focus, your commitment, your affection, your admiration, or loyalty off the Lord? I just want to encourage you today to evaluate your lifestyle of worship, to evaluate the way you're living. 1 John 5.21 says, Little children, believers, dear ones, Guard yourselves from idols, false teaching, moral compromises, and anything that would take God's place in your heart. Who do you worship? 
Who do I worship? I worship the living God. I took an excerpt from um, Louis Giglio from his uh, book, um, Wired for a Life of Worship. Worship tells us what we value most. As a result, worship determines our actions. I'm going to go back. You realize what was happening. The, the, the elders, the leaders in Israel, they wanted a attaboy. They wanted a word from the Lord, and, and the Lord got mad. He said, they want a word from me? And, and we come and we gather for worship, and we come and we gather to hopefully, I hope you come to hear the word of the Lord. I don't know what happens, how people choose where they're going to go to church and why they go to church. Um, sometimes I think it's tradition. It becomes very, very much just a part of who you are, but maybe it's a disconnect in the heart, and um, we need to stay connected. And the Lord is like, you've got all these idols in your life, and yet you're still coming to me. You're not undivided in your heart. You're not surrendered fully in every area of your life. And you're coming to the prophet for him to speak a word from me. I'm going to give you my word. My word is repent. And so believer here today, you might be coming here to hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is look at your life. Look at how you're living. Repent when you're undivided in your, li in your lifestyle. If you're giving in to pleasures that aren't honorable to the Lord. The word of the Lord is to repent. If you're not exactly submitted like you were initially, if you're not, if what if what's not if you haven't been, if your life isn't being stirred, your Christian walk isn't being stirred like it once was, we need to evaluate how we're living. Our worship might be pretty stinky to the Lord. It's supposed to be a sweet aroma to the Lord. Our praise and our worship is supposed to be sweet to him. It's supposed to fill his nostrils with a sweet smell. But not when we have an undivided heart. I mean a divided heart, not undivided. <laughs> divided heart when we're divided in our mind. Right? Worship tells us what we value most. As a result, worship determines our actions, becoming the driving force of all we do. And we're not just talking about the religious crowd, Christians. The churchgoer among us, or the youth group attender, we're talking about everybody on planet Earth. A multitude of souls proclaiming with every breath what is worthy of their affection, their attention, their allegiance. Proclaiming with every step what it is they worship. Some of us attend the church on the corner professing to worship the living God above all. Others who are rarely, who rarely step inside the church doors would say worship isn't a part of their lives because they aren't religious. But everybody has an altar, and every altar has a throne. So, how do you know where, you, where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time. Your affection, your energy, your money, 
and your loyalty. And at the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. On that throne, that's who you worship. Sure, not too many of us walk around saying, I worship my stuff. I worship my gaming system. I worship this pleasure. I worship him. I worship her. I worship my body. I worship me. No one says I worship me. Except for your trail behind you says you worship you. <laughs> the trail never lies. We may say we value this thing or that thing more than any other, but the volume of our actions speaks louder than our words. In the end, our worship is more about what we do than what we say. It's good, right? What is most valuable to you? I'm being sincere. Because I want us to grow in Jesus, you know? Um, and I'm grateful that my friend said that to me, you know? Um, about the girls. Because I promise you, if there was anybody that was going to take Jesus' place, it would probably be those girls. Because I love them so much. <laughs> and I was talking to my dad a little bit about this I was asking him about if I'm reading something right, you know. And he's like, what are you preaching on? Aren't you supposed to be preaching on worship? And I'm like, yeah, but Dad, if you're worshiping an idol and you're allowing idols to be in your life, you know, this is, I promise they'll get to worship. I'm not telling them how to worship. I'm telling them who we worship, you know. And I really hope we're evaluating. I hope tonight when you guys go home later, you think about it and really just say, yeah. I mean, maybe I offend you like I was offended initially. And then later you'll go, ooh, oh me, right? <laughs> so anyways, the reason I, I put that little um, excerpt in there is that last passage or last line. The volume of your actions speaks louder than your words. So, so good. What do your actions shout? What do your choices shout? That's another thing I'm learning from the girls. I got to watch how I'm saying things because then they're going to say it the same way, you know? So I'm, I'm teaching them a gentle answer turns away wrath. I'm trying to be gentle right now when I'm answering you, but it's, I really want to be angry. I want to have an angry voice right now, you know, because I'm really frustrated. But... They're teaching me how to surrender my life to Jesus really well, and I'm hoping to teach them the same thing. Some people love stuff. They love opportunities or gadgets or new things to make their lives easier. Some people, it's not stuff. It's very, very me, 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 me. And they don't realize they're so stinky selfish. And that is, you're worshiping you. You're caring only about you, and that's not who God created us and why he created us. Why do we worship? It's threefold. For a week, it said twofold on my message. 
then I read it again, and I'm like, no, it's really threefold. So it's a threefold reason to me. We worship God because he created us to bring him glory. But we worship God because of who he is and because of what he does and because of what he's still doing in our lives. Isn't that awesome? He's still doing beautiful things, still making our lives beautiful, still exchanging ashes for beauty. Hallelujah. So what other way to respond to that than in, in worshiping him? I got a lot of scripture verses. <laughs> so you can either jot them down, write them, look them up later or whatever. And I know you might not be able to turn as fast. So they're on the, the screen, but we worship God because of who he is. Amen. Psalm 29, 1 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. It's really easy to say why we worship the Lord, I think. It's hard to identify who you worship because our hearts want to say, oh, yes, I worship God, but my trail behind me is saying I don't really worship God. <laughs> I choose him on Sunday mornings. This is... I, I worship God on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is not enough. It is not enough. Your trail following behind you is not, it's going to speak really loud and it's not going to speak good. It's going to stink. If all you do is Sunday morning worship. And, and obviously we're not just talking about what we did before service, the music part of it, the singing part of it. Although a lot of these scriptures are going to talk about singing. Um, we need to be in communion with the Lord throughout the week and in check, checking ourselves um, throughout the week and really seeking, am I doing what your word says to do, Lord? Psalm 66, one says, shout joyfully to God. Now, I love that the Bible says shout because I am a very loud person. I'm loud when I'm mad. And I'm loud when I'm glad, and I whisper loud. I'm just a loud person. So I like it that the Lord says, Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name and make his praise glorious. Worship is not an experience. It's not an event. You don't come to worship. I mean, you do come with an intention to worship, but but it, it's not an event, it's not a service, it's not a retreat or a conference. Worship is, and, and, and always will be, all about God. It's who God is. It's our reaction to him. It's our response to him. So, so good. And it requires truth and integrity. It, it requires us to be honest. We have to be honest about the Lord came, he saved me, and he redeemed me. Where he brought me from is so amazing. And because of that, you're able to truly worship him in spirit and in truth. 
But if you're not resolving the issues in your heart, if you're not surrendering the issues of your heart, it's really hard to worship the Lord earnestly. It's hard to be full of integrity and honest before the Lord. The reason why is because he sees everything. He knows everything. So what you're trying to hide from him, he already sees. The sin that you're still trying to allow in your life, he sees that. So when you come before him to worship him, it, the, he, he requires you to worship him in truth. And so what you think you're offering might not really be an offering. It might be a stinky. I don't, do you like stinks? Do you know that if you smell something and it smells yucky, it can, the, the smell stays in your nose? Has that ever happened to you? Wait, has that ever happened to you? Yes? Ugh. Yuck. Do you want to be a stench in the Lord's nostrils? I'm, se I'm so serious. No way. <laughs> John 4, 23, 24 is very, I mean, obviously I'm talking about the scripture, not even um, sharing it yet, but we get this from this passage of scripture. Jesus knows everything about the lady at the well, right? And can tell her everything. And she's blown away that who is this man? And he says, let me tell you something. There's an hour that is coming and it's right now. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father is seeking. He seeks to be his, seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We can't be divided in our heart and think we're honestly worshiping the Lord. Does that ring a resounding anything in your heart today? We worship, we worship also because of the encounter we have with God and the Lord. So we worship him because of who he is, because of everything that he's done, who he is. But then when we have this encounter, the only thing that we can do is respond to him and worship. But here's the thing that happens, I believe, with Christians. We make Sundays our only time of worship, and we don't carve out enough time for him the day. I mean... Anybody here, by a show of hands, ever intend to have your alarm set for a certain time? Like, I have it set for 5, 5.30, and 6 o'clock a.m., and I wake up at 5. But just in case I want to reset it and, you know, catch a few more sleeps, do you ever have a situation where you set your alarm, you have every intention of, you even have a study plan on your, on your um, phone. You have every intention to meet with Jesus before you go to work. And then something happens and you fall asleep or you didn't sleep good that last night. So because you didn't sleep good last night, you have to hit snooze so you can get some more sleeps. And then you get up and for me, I don't know how guys do this. I don't even, my husband takes a shower every day, every day. But he doesn't have a lot of hair to wash. <laughs> I have this long hair, so I like pres I'm like calculating. Okay, so if I wash my hair today, blow out my hair today, I can wear it down. Maybe I can wear it the next day down, and then I can put it up in my hair. I got three days out of it, don't have to wash my hair, and I'm calculating. Can I sleep in a little bit longer today? I'm being serious. This is like a girl's thing sometimes, you know? And you just got to figure out, how can I get in more time to sleep? But you miss the time of reading the Bible. So now you've missed Monday. 
and you get to Tuesday. Has anybody ever had this happen where you had every intention and, and by Tuesday you missed it in the morning and at night you're too tired. You're not too tired to maybe go on Instagram or on Facebook or get the stats for the game, especially if you're in fantasy football right now. You might, you might be able, sorry if there's any toe crunching going on right now, able to, um, um, you know, you might be able to um, do all these things, but you just can't take the time to read the Bible. And I could tell you what the enemy will tell you. He'll say, you're going to read it and you're not even going to retain it because you're so tired right now. Just go to sleep. Oh, yeah. And then you don't do it again. Anybody? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. And if you do, I have these glasses on. I can't really see anyhow. So, um, but this does, this is something that can happen. If you don't carve out time to spend with Jesus every single day, your worship is in good worship. And, and we think we're okay because we're living to glorify God. And we're trying to choose not to, to do things wrong. But yet, we find ourselves divided in our heart and not surrendered and just this really simple thing this really simple simple thing and this simple thing this word will keep us from sinning against God it'll help us that when we see some fine looking thing going by that we don't look a second time right thank you honest person back there in the back I heard you um the truth of the matter is what God has done in our lives is why we should worship him in Luke 7 40 it really com it communicates this so well for us Pharisees, us people who think we're so special because we've been saved by grace, bless God. Let's have a refresher of what took place. There was a Pharisee named Simon, and Jesus says, he sets up this thing, he's seeing exactly what Simon is seeing, because that's Jesus. He knows everything about our heart. He knows what we're thinking, what we're judging, how we're gossiping about people, stinky gossip. He knows this, and he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> and he replied, teacher, say it. Of course, because, you know, if the teacher's going to say something to you, it should surely be good. Because I'm so good, and he's a good God. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they had no means of repaying the debts, he freely forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Really simple math. This is like your first simple math problem, and you're like so excited. Oh, I, I know this answer. Well, he knew the answer. The one, I take it, for whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you decided correctly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, but you failed to extend to me the usual courtesies shown to a guest. Mm -hmm. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has not. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, demonstrating her love. You gave me no welcoming kiss, but from the moment I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not even anoint my head with ordinary oil. 
but she has anointed my feet with costly and rare perfume. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven of little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes, us beautiful Christians who have been saved by grace, think we don't require, I mean, we know we don't require, I mean, we don't, we have grace, so we don't require grace, because we have it, right? that trail that's behind us that our affection is attached to really says you need to be forgiven of a lot more. You've been forgiven of some, but you've, you're, you've forgotten what, where you come from. You've forgotten the little things that people don't know about you because they've been forgiven and you don't have to. Our God's so gracious. He doesn't make us shout from the rooftop what we've done wrong against him. Anybody in here have a sin or a past that embarrasses you and you hope no one ever finds out about it because you've been redeemed? Anybody here? Well, the thing is, we need to be reminded of that so that we love the Lord so much and are so grateful for what he's done. See, my girls came into my life and it reminds me every day of how good God is. When I look at those little girls, I say, wow, Lord, you love me so much. I see your grace. I know the journey that I went through, and I knew what my heart went through to, to receive those girls and to have those girls. <laughs> and I, I, there are things I can tell you verbatim of what happened. I have that kind of a memory. But I'm telling you, he is teaching me his father's heart through them. And he is teaching me how important it is to have him in every minute of my day. And to value, value what he's given to me. That's what worship is. It's, it's valuing who he is, what he's done what he's going to keep doing. It's valuing what he's brought us from and not forgetting that we kind of stink without him. And we need to present him with worship that doesn't stink, that doesn't leave us. I mean, people in the medical field who work with bodies, I'm telling you, they know what I'm talking about when I say stink. I don't know chemicals stink. I would guess chemicals stink. You don't want to leave a stench in the nostrils of the living God. You want your worship to smell sweet. In order to do that, you might have to be readjusted like Simon here. Both were forgiven, but the one was so grateful for what she'd been forgiven for, so grateful that this Savior, didn't matter what the rest of the culture thought about Jesus, she knew. He is my Redeemer. He is Messiah. She knew.
sometimes it can seem as if people have enough knowledge to know they need a Savior, but the, they almost forget all that the Savior has redeemed them from. They know they need to get their life together, get some spiritual stability by attending church, reading the Bible, and going to church activities, but then they let go of growing as much as they really could. I don't want you to let grow of growing. It's good to grow and continue growing, amen? I want to grow up, grow up and be like Jesus. Do what he teaches. Shine the light. <laughs> My kids sing that song. <laughs> I would like to encourage you to guard that part of your devotion and life. Don't grow stagnant or stale or indifferent. Always feed that value and that gratitude and that purpose in worshiping the Lord. Feed that. Don't starve that. Need. Where do we worship? Well, that's another easy place. <laughs> Psalm 84, 1 says, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul, my life, my inner self longs for and greatly desires the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for the joy of the living God. Where do we worship? We go where he dwells. Well, the earth is the Lord's. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wherever he is, that's where we worship. Psalm 91 Verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my refuge, my fortress and my God, in whom I trust. Safest place to be is in the presence of the Lord. Being vulnerable before him and allowing him to layer and peel away the things that keep us from him, the things that we allow in our hearts to not have a true God encounter. We try and hide and hold on to things. Man, we are so safe being vulnerable before his presence because he loves you. He created you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. He loves you. He loves you. It's the safest place to be is to be um, vulnerable. And another place to worship him is in jail, <laughs> like Silas, Paul and Silas, right? So even in trouble, even in a, did I give you that scripture? Acts, is Acts 16, 23 there? Oh, cool. You can throw it up there. I'm not going to read it, but you guys can read it right now. Acts 16, 23 through 25, even in a, situation in an attack of the enemy regardless of what the circumstance is or where you find yourself worship him fix your eyes on him it's a good place to worship him when do we worship in good times in challenging times in fearful and weary times in victorious times sometimes it's easy to come before the lord when you're going through the challenge or when you're in a fire, because you feel like that's the only hope you have. And sometimes you forget to worship the Lord in the good times. 
don't forget to acknowledge him at all times. Amen? Psalm 113, 2 through 3 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever, from the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised with awe-inspired reverence. So, hey, when do you worship the Lord? All the time, forever. Don't ever stop. Bless him from the rising of the sun to its going down. Amen? Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When do we worship? All times, continually. Don't stop. Amen? Ephesians 5, 19 through 20 says, Speaking to one another in psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. If you have a hard time being thankful, maybe you don't know that you have a hard time. Maybe if you find yourself grumpy, that's kind of the opposite of thankful. So if you're, if the shoe fits, if I'm, if that helps you identify. Maybe try and write like five things you're thankful for every day. Maybe start in your phone on your notes, because I, I think a lot of people are attached to their phone. On your notes, notepad, write two things in the morning, and then at the end of the night, three things that, that were good that happened in the day. You know? As the day passes, you talk to someone, maybe say, hey, what was your favorite part of today? What, what good happened today? You know, try and find something to be thankful for. Have a life of thankfulness, and that's going to, we are thankful to the Lord. That reminds us of who he is. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations I will make known his faithfulness. Amen. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High, to declare thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness at night. We, get, we don't want to get caught up in just running through the race without taking time to bless the Lord. If you have to set a timer on your phone just to train yourself, I know that sounds like, Rachel, really? But maybe someone needs to do that. So we don't, we're not going to look down on them, Simon. We're going to say, okay, yes. If you need to set your phone to remind yourself to, you know, thank the Lord for today. Anybody so, so hungry you forget to thank the Lord when you're eating because you were so famished you just started eating? Anybody have to say their thankful prayer halfway through starting to eat? Bless God, do that still, right? Like all of a sudden you nibble, 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 and you, that hunger kind of settles down. And you're like, oh, Lord, I forgot to thank you. It's okay. Still thank him. Still thank him. It's good. Live a thankful life. It'll, it'll, make, it'll be sweet smelling to the Lord. Be grateful for all that he's done, who he is in your life. Amen. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, take pleasure in him. And again, I say rejoice. 
this is another good one. It's hard to figure what scriptures you want to share because once you're flipping back and forth through all of them, it's oh, this one's good too. Psalm 105, 1 through 4 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. When we worship, it's just we worship continually. We seek him continually. We seek to make his name known in the earth continually. We want to make him proud. He already is thrilled with us. He already loves us so much. Just because that's who he is, a loving God. But don't you want him to love you because you're doing something right, too? Don't you want to please him? Not just because of who he is. Not just accept his love because of who he is. But, hey, I love you, and you're doing it right, and I'm proud of you. And that's awesome. Strive for that. When it's all said and done, Romans, this is my last two scriptures. Romans 12, 1 through 2, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, it's logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. The reason I shared that last scripture is because when it's all said and done, who we worship, why we worship, where and when we worship has to do with constantly not being conformed to the world, but being transformed in our mind and in our heart. It's not enough just to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. It's not enough just to come to church. It's not enough just to be a tither or a giver. It's not enough to be a greeter. That is not enough. Yet we need to be renewing our mind continually, renewing our mind, training our thoughts. I messed up here. I see where I messed up. Forgive me, Jesus. Help me to do it better again. Help me to, next time this happens, do it right. That's how you don't conform. It's how you're transformed. Renew your mind with the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the presence of the Lord. The safest place for you to be is in his presence. I pray that you're a little challenged today about how you're living. Not in a, just because I'm challenged. It's a good thing to be challenged. We have not arrived yet. We need Jesus every day, every breath. Amen. Hopefully this has been an encouraging word for you and a challenging word for you.